Alrighty. Are we ready for so close to the present day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're really close in there. to the end of this podcast. All right. Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. Bravo. And welcome to the 2020 Academy Awards, where we look back with 2020 vision and we I take a look at one movie from the year of winners. We look at what it won for, and then three other randomly chosen categories to see what else it could have won for. And here at the Academy Awards this year, we we could have had some really interesting watches. Parasite was the first non-English language film to win. Uh, it is tied for most Academy Awards by a foreign language film with four. Whoa. Fanny and Alexander and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon also have four. As well as winning so since it got the best uh foreign language film mm-hmm. and he you get that basically on behalf of the entire country's right. filmmaking mm-hmm. but the uh director got best picture director and original screenplay he yeah. is the uh second person to get four awards at one academy award that's kind of a lot the first was Walt Disney in 1954 okay. however Walt Disney had uh, organized multiple films. Oh, okay. Bong Joon-ho is the first person to get four awards at one event for the same movie. All for the same film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Parasite. For Parasite. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who we'll be talking about, is part of the second pair of actors to win an award for portraying the same character in two different films, which is one of my favorite Academy Award facts. Yeah. Because uh, this comes after Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of... Oh, so remember how we talked about Mary J. Blige and Lady Gaga in the previous two years? Right, right. Yeah. This year it's Cynthia Erivo, who was nominated for Best Actress and Best Original Song. Third year in a row someone did that. Huh. And there was the first film to be nominated for international feature film, which I think is their fancy term for foreign language film, and best documentary in the same year. Okay. So it must have had a very good non-English documentary this year. But we did not roll Parasite. We did not roll some of the other interesting movies we could have gotten. We rolled Joker, which I think Mom was not super psyched about. Not, yeah, not. No. Uh, Joker was sixth highest grossing film of the year. The first R-rated film to gross over a billion dollars. Wow. wow. No kidding. So, uh, yeah, that's a thing. It also had the most nominations for the year at 11. Wow. So, a bit of a thing. Joker was directed by a guy by the name of Todd Phillips. Now, okay. you probably don't know who Todd Phillips is, and I don't think I recognized him either, because his usual filmmaking... Like, his usual directing stuff? Not something we usually watch. Uh, you're going to be surprised by me saying The Hangover movies. Um, you? You. Which is a bit of a left turn to make this movie, let me tell you. I think so. He was really known for, like, dopey slapstick comedy type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, old school Starsky, the Starsky and Hutch remake movie. I. Uh, and then he decided he wanted to make this movie. And this was a bit of a tall ask because at this time, uh, if you've been paying attention to movies in the last decade or two, Marvel's been doing a thing. I know. See, that's they part of my issue. They keep doing a thing. 
doesn't appeal to me. This yeah. is why I thought I didn't want to watch this film. Well, the reason why this movie was such a thing is that Warner Brothers, who is uh, the owner of DC Comics, and mm. they're the ones who do all the DC movies, they decided, well, we can't really beat Marvel at doing Marvel's thing. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is make smaller, self-contained, better single movies okay. without having to hire someone who's going to be available for 10 movies. Sure, sure. Okay. Marvel can do that. They're fine. They have Disney money. And this movie was originally... Well, it wasn't originally going to start, but this was also coming off the heels of uh, the Suicide Squad movie. And I think Justice League had come out before this one. But in those movies, well, at least in Suicide Squad for sure, Mm. Jared Leto portrays the Joker. And they said, all right, we're going to make this Joker movie, and it's not going to have you in it, Jared Leto. It's going to have someone else in it. And he tried to get the movie shut down. (laughs) Oh, dear. Which is... On what basis? Well, because it, it, it was not starring him. He was playing this character. Did he have a contract? Well, he was playing this character in a different movie. Yeah, I got that. And he was hot and bothered about it. Now, no, he didn't necessarily... old Hollywood yeah. thing. What's to note there is that... This is just the basis that anybody can sue anybody else for anything, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily suing. He was call, like, calling in favors. Yeah. But he was like calling in favors, trying to get them to lowball the oh. budget and make it Maybe. look, you know... Backroom stuff. Okay. But I think this has also yeah. happened with other actors in Hollywood that once you've been hired to play a particular character, then your character. it's yeah. your character because mm-hmm. you've created right. it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And what's interesting mm-hmm. to note is uh, we'll talk about Joaquin Phoenix here, but both Joaquin Phoenix and Jared Leto, when they were making their movies where they were playing this character, mm-hmm. both of them got fantastically into character. Mm-hmm. The problem is, or I'd say the difference is, mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix was essentially getting himself into character, and when he was getting too into character, he would go away from the scene for a while and collect himself. When Jared Leto got too much into character, he would like antagonize his co-stars. Oh, because he was really And it was an unpleasant work environment, mm-hmm. as people say. Mm-hmm. So... Good. There, that might be one of the reasons why he wasn't picked. But, in any case, we don't have many people to talk about in this one, but I had not realized just what a pile of good actor Joaquin Phoenix is. Uh, he's been doing some stuff. Uh, the first, like, super major role people will recognize him from is from Gladiator, which we didn't watch. Well, he started in TV when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. His mom worked for NBC... Yeah. And got he and his older brother... River Phoenix. An agent and got them into uh, television work when they were... I think his first television gig when he was like eight. Probably. Yeah. But uh, his brother died in 1993. Right. And up until that point, people were sort of treating him as the second... Like, he's the second best brother. Mm -hmm. Because his brother was pretty good and like... Yeah. Teen popular. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I remember watching Walk the Line and being pretty impressed with that movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I didn't realize how 
real it was or fake or real or if the lines were blurred was in 2010. And this is the one thing that I could have told you about Walking Phoenix is in the late 2000s or early 2010s, he had like a severe mental breakdown drug problem. And the reason why I thought this is because one, the media was telling it to me and you know how the media be, but there is a relatively infamous David Letterman interview where he comes on the show and he's wearing dark sunglasses and he's barely communicating and he just looks blitzed out of his mind. And at the end of it, Letterman says, well, Joaquin Phoenix, I'm sorry you couldn't make it today. And everyone's like, ho, 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 ho. And it just really looked like there was this period of his life where he had gone down the toilet. And then I kind of lost track of him for a while. And then he comes up with this movie. And I'm like, wow, he really got his life back together mm-hmm. to be able to act like this. He was acting. The Letterman interview was acting. He was part of a mockumentary called I'm Still Here, where he acted like he was quitting acting and going to start a career as a rapper. To the extent that he kept that character up during interviews. For the entire period where they were filming and showing that movie, he stayed in character. In and out, on the screen and off the Mm -hmm. screen. And the point of the movie was that, essentially, people think that reality TV is real. So we're going to make a movie that's fake, but present it as real and see if people believe it. And they did. Oh, dear. And seeing that and then looking at how he did in this movie, it no longer surprises me how good of a character actor he is. Mm -hmm. That he can just lose himself in a role like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be, like, best of all time, like some people call him, but I think it's... I think he deserves more credit for the work he does. Well, and I think that... I was reading a little bit about him, and he's not particularly into the Hollywood scene. Oh, yeah. So he... He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. He... Um, you know, his he got an Oscar for this particular performance, mm-hmm. and um, he was quoted somewhere as saying that he he doesn't think that actors should get awards. Yeah, because the whole film is a collaborative process, and you can't do it. I mean, you you know, one person doing a great job, it's because everybody did a great job. Yeah, so. uh, he lost fifty two pounds to play this part. My gosh. And it looks like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we not talked about Robert De Niro yet? I don't believe we I have. I think we have. And so we shall. His first role was in 1968. He's been around a while. He's been around a while. Uh, he was, in fact, in uh, Godfather 2, mm-hmm. where he got an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And then, you know, that movie called Taxi Driver. Yeah, that happened. Uh, a movie with a scene so iconic... He made fun of himself in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, oh, where dear. he plays fearless leader, <laughs> and he asks uh, Boris and Natasha, "Are you talking to me?" <laughs> Boris good enough? Yeah, it's, it's Boris bad enough. Bad enough. Pretty, he was in Deer Hunter. He was in Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he did some he's done, pretty well known. He's in the kind of actor films. that if you have heard of. 
a number of actors you can count on one hand, one of them is Robert De Niro. Yeah, and the number of recognizable films that he's been in since, what was his first one, 1965 or something? Yeah. Wow. I Was he the bad guy in uh, Ocean's 13? I think he, uh, I'm trying to remember if that was him or not. Because now I have to, uh, of course, it's not Ocean's going to show me anything. 13 here. would be... Like, that's not one of the good movies that he was in, necessarily. I don't, I don't recall that he was. Somebody was. I don't remember Somebody who. Somebody was a bad guy. There was definitely movie. a bad guy in that movie. I'm sure there was. Uh, but he's worked with Scorsese a few times, which is always a yeah. good way to have a good career. Yeah. He's done some comedy. He's done a lot of serious bad guy roles. Mm-hmm. Played Al Capone one time in Touchables. Oh, he was Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, he's <laughs> okay. done some pretty interesting stuff. Alright, not too many more to mention here, but uh, Zazie Beats. Uh, this is the... I don't know what that uh, means. This is his uh, neighbor lady that is oh. may, may or may not like him. Uh, she's... No, I think he was having delusional... I was not saying that because of the not saying how the movie goes. Okay, sorry. Darn mm-hmm. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, she's a pretty recent uh, addition to the acting scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's only 30. Okay. Uh, but she is the one who's in a Marvel movie. Hmm. She's in the Deadpool 2 movie. Oh, boy. And a relatively major role in that film, so good on her. And I feel like we should have talked about Brett Cullen at some point, the guy who played Thomas Wayne. Yeah, I and he's And he's got a face that's been in just a bunch of things. Well, he we should have talked about him because he was in Apollo 13. Yeah, but we didn't watch that for the no. podcast. We watched that for fun. We watched that for fun. That's yeah. true. We did. I uh, oh, he was in there. Uh, no, wait, that's the wrong one. The re- that's the replacements is not the one about the replacement astronauts. That's about different replacements. <laughs> wow, he's in a lot of football movies. Yeah, I thought I thought he was in something that we watched for this podcast, but I can't. No, I don't think so. I guess not. It's another. He's another guy where you see his face and you go, "I've seen him before." It was in. What was it? Yes. And then you do that for a while. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there just there just weren't that many like major major characters in this film. It was a very tight focus on, you know, the one main character and the few people that were going to matter to him, which kind of made it feel like a play. Like we've seen mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. play movies where there's just there's just not that many people in it. But boy oh boy, it's we, we've watched some movies for this podcast where the director wrote the screenplay and you can mm-hmm. tell that he wrote the screenplay right. and didn't ask for an editor. It, we've complained about that. Yeah, have complained about it. The director worked on this screenplay and worked on it for about a year. And I think you can tell that he, did he some rewrites. went to an editor at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to say on this one aside from the obvious uh, current social climate things that were going on which would have made this diff a difficult pitch i think if this movie had been made a year or two later mm-hmm. i think this would have been a much more difficult one to say but at the time i would say not intentionally but mad oscar bay here mm-hmm. so he got they struck while the iron was hot and they won't be able to mm-hmm. reproduce that success uh, our category for today is best actor and and he well, he won. Best. He obviously won for best actor, mm-hmm. and this was an interesting year for acting. Antonio Banderas got nominated 
in the year of our Lord 2020. Yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The movie that we did not watch. Mm-hmm. I've watched part of it. Hey, Antonio Antonio Banderas was 59 at the time. He's yeah. relatively young compared to some yeah. people. Adam Driver got nominated. Mr. Star Wars Man. And Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Do you know Jonathan Price? He got nominated for Best Actor. That was a Netflix one. Uh, oh, in the aftermath of the Vatican leaks scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. Anthony Hopkins was the other Pope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, he was. <laughs> So playing across from him is not, you know, that's an easy job. Yeah. Oh, Anthony Hopkins was nominated for supporting actor. He was, in fact. (laughs) All right. But I think with this one, this was, I don't think this would have been an easy acting job to do in the first place. Like to try and play this character and give it. uh, And make it seem real. Make it seem real. This would, this, even just doing a good job of this would have been difficult. I think he did a great job of this. Yeah. This is, there are two movies on my list of, well, no, there's one movie that's on my list of, it's not a good superhero movie. It's a good movie. And that's this this one. Mm-hmm. Logan gets to be the one that's a good movie and a good superhero movie. That's the only one on that list. And just about everyone else that's a superhero movie is, it's okay. It's, it's a, a good super, It's a good superhero movie. movie. Right. It's not necessarily a good movie. This one good movie and it's essentially a one man show. I mean, you you got to understand that it's very dark. And oh. some people just don't like films like that. And oh. that, and I respect that because it's it's a tough watch from from some perspectives for sure. Yeah. From my perspective. Yeah. yeah. Uh but if we'd like to see what mom's perspective is, do we want to talk about the we want to skip one and go to costume design? Oh, so we already we done could. talking about well, do we best want to, actor? Do we want to talk more about best actor? I don't know if you want to. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's much more to say without getting into specific details, and that's giving stuff away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But costume design is a guy whose work we've seen before. Oh. His name is Mark Bridges, and he did the costuming for the artist, oh. uh, and one for that, and as well for a movie called Phantom Thread in 2017. Which is Daniel Day Lewis's last role? Hmm, I don't know that film. But this movie was nominated for costume design. Costume work. It it, did, it sadly did not win. But I know that you at one point did remark upon the attention to detail in the outfits to enhance the character work. Which yes, I I really appreciated the um, the the clownish aspects of the costuming. That were very subtle things like his shoes were when he was in uh, civilian clothes, not in clown clothing, you know, haha, you know, uh, circus clown shoes that are six inches too long. Yeah. Um, his shoes were still very long and narrow. He th- frequently um, they had him dressed in pants that were too short. And they were wider at the bottom. So these are not skinny leg jeans. These are, uh, you know, these are pants with a wider leg. And the fabric was um, movable. So when he would he would walk with a really funny gait that almost looked like he was walking with shoes that were too big. Like he was walking in clown shoes, but they weren't clown shoes. Then the, the fabric of his pants would, um, it moved easily. So you could then see his white socks which then looks 
uh, buffoonish. So then it, get, it, it reinforces that clown thing without it being circus clown clothing. Yeah. And I think that was, um, that was really subtle, but it was very effective. And that's why we keep her around, because she has these kind of insights <laughs> about pants. See? Uh, it did not win. The winner for costume design was for Little Women. Well, that's a because period they got, piece. Yeah, period yeah. piece. Uh, our mm-hmm. other, uh, our next bonus category is sound effects. So it was nominated in both sound editing and sound mixing. Interestingly, those mo- those two categories were not won by the same movie, hmm. but it was for Ford v. Ferrari, a.k.a. Cars, mm-hmm. and 1917, a.k.a. War. Mm. But I did look up some of the guys that worked on the sound, and the juxtaposition is a little interesting because one of them is like a Disney lifer. Selected filmography begins with Beauty and the Beast in 91. Okay. Lion King, Pulp Fiction. Okay, we'll get back. Pocahontas. Okay. (laughs) Operation Dumbo Drop. Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco. (laughs) But then it it jumps back. This guy, his name is uh, Dean Zupancic. Z-U-P-A-N-C-I-C. Does not have a pronunciation guide. But it jumps back and forth between... All of these, like, Disney wholesome mm-hmm. things. And then it'll just jump over to, and here's some explosions, and back to Disney. Hmm. Uh, and the other guy on this list of helpers is a guy by the name of Alan Murray. And this guy is definitely more who you'd think of when you're like, we want the serious drama sound guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first nomination for sound stuff was in 1986... For Ladyhawk. Oh, I like that film. You do. And then two years later, no, four years later, Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> well, that's not one of my, fa- that's not in my favorites list. But he won, his first Academy Award was for Letters from Iwo Jima. Ah. And then in 2015 for American Sniper. Hmm. So this is the guy we call when we want our serious drama sound. Mm-hmm. And he worked together with the Disney guy. And they had a verily a very good time on this movie. Well, I think they did a good job with it. I was trying to think of, in particular, you know, noises and things. You know, it, when the, you have to have subway noises and they have to sound real, or you, yeah, you've got apartment hallways or stairwells and things have to sound real. And I, I think it did. Since there's never going to be another time to mention this person, and it is sound related, we can talk about the winner of best score for the year. Hildur Ingveldardotter. I, I, Did you look up a pronunciation? No, I did name? not. <laughs> it's quite the name. And that's not Ingveld's an... daughter? I, one of them, the, her middle name is definitely... I, I think I got the middle name, but the last name has a character in it that's not, uh, a, Roman. A, not a Roman character, so I don't know how to pronounce that one. But it also ends in daughter. <laughs> so she's Scandinavian. Icelandic. She- is it a she? It is a she. It is a she. Icelandic. And, though you would not have necessarily been able to tell by the score, this is sarcasm, she's a classically trained cellist. Ah. And you can tell by the score. There is some, yes. Because the score does a lot of cello. Yeah. Her, I, she, I did the music for Sicario in 2018. 
which has a couple of crossovers with this film, including, I uh, well, no, not that's the Iron Guy, but there's a couple of people that worked on both films. I thought I saw Robert De Niro, and I did not. Uh, but also the HBO series Chernobyl, which was a bit of a big deal, and she got a primetime Emmy and a Grammy for that soundtrack. For this movie, she got the Academy Award, and also the Golden Globe and the BAFTA for his original music, wow. which makes her the first solo female composer to win both of them. Wow. She's not necessarily as known for her film stuff, or at least she is now. Mm-hmm. Now people are kind of all over because she did a real good mm-hmm. job. But she's really more known as a like traditional composer. It's interesting because I was thinking to myself when listening to it, a lot of the background music was it's not something you just want to turn on and listen to no but it it was so effective in creating and helping to create a mood during portions of the film and switching from that really uh what's the right word melancholy cello dark dark music to well-known songs like smile yeah. You know, and, and making those transitions. I mean, that's why she won the award. Yeah, because she because created she the really mood. created the moods and did that really, really well, yeah. I think. Uh, our last bonus category is one that this film probably was not going to be in contention for. It's Best Actress. And there was females in this movie, but they definitely did not... But not in a leading role. Not in a leading role. The winner of Best Actress is Renee Zellweger... For Judy. I don't know that one. That's the movie about Judy Garland. Hmm. Hmm. She played Judy? She played Judy. How about that? Huh. I heard your picture. Also in here, Cynthia Erivo as Harriet Tubman in the movie Harriet. That was a good film. Yeah, she did really really well in that role. Uh, There is uh, Sarah C. Ronan in Little Women. There's Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, who is uh, with Adam Driver. And then... Charlie's Theron in a movie called Bombshell, which is about, I uh, this is interesting. It's about the women at Fox News who set out to expose the CEO for sexual harassment. Oh dear! Oh wow! So okay then. Yeah. So is a good. I hadn't even heard of that. No, but yeah. this would a movie would have to work pretty hard to get either quality acting or topical enough to break into this list. Well, and this uh, movie was not going to do that. It's nominated. Uh... Actresses go, I find it interesting that Scarlett Johansson is in, was nominated for Actress in a Leading Role and Actress in a Supporting Role in two different films this year. Yes, and that is a rare feat to pull she off. She was busy. She was. <laughs> it kind of, maybe we should get Jojo Rabbit, just for fun. But we, as we catch up to the present day, next podcast is going to be weird because 2021 was when the theaters weren't open because mm-hmm. of the thing. Yeah. Because the pandemic. Yeah, as I... The unprecedented times. Silly silly guys on the internet uh, say, there's I... You you don't know about the YouTube show called Game Grumps, uh, but apparently it's not good. Either it's their in-joke or they have been told that it's not a good idea to mention it. Mention the pandemic? To their, like, all their listeners. So whenever they talk about it, they call it the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. You mean the what? pandemic? Yes. Instead of saying the pandemic, they say the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. And so they talk about how 
we can't go outside because of the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. That's, that's <laughs> and, crazy. you know, if someone gets sick, they say they got tickets. That's crazy. <laughs> and it's it's just a very goofy thing. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> in, in 2021, the Backstreet Boys uh, ruined theater for everyone. Hmm. Uh, Apparently. So, it's going to be weird because I don't... I looked ahead. I don't recognize any of the movies. I don't know what happened that year. <laughs> in 2021. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's some good ones. It's some good ones, but I just... There's, I don't... I didn't. No one went to go see movies that year. We yeah. pretty much stayed home. Yeah, we and stayed we're home. We're going to have to find yeah. the one that we choose. Ultimately, yeah, you didn't yeah. have any work. Your dad had to work at home. Yeah, it was that was crazy. Yeah, but I mm-hmm. uh, end result on the movie we did watch today is is surprisingly good. Yeah, I was even yeah. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I think yeah. because it was a a good a compelling story. I mean, right. certainly the subject matter is not something that I choose to watch for entertainment. This value. movie is not going to become your favorite movie ever. Right. But not, not for me. But you'd, for... If we said, hey mom, we're going to watch this movie, you would not find an excuse necessarily and go hide. Well, I would because yeah. now I've seen it. Okay, that's fair. But <laughs> yeah. I don't need to watch it a second time. Yeah. That's for that's for certain. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, do you have your fun facts? I have a fun fact about Joaquin Phoenix who won Best Actor for this. Okay. Um... Talking about his acting ability, in 2018, he played in the film Mary Magdalene. He was Jesus. So think about the, shall we say, the dramatic difference in the kind of role that might have been. And yeah. I don't know that film well, but you mean I thought I thought that was just an interesting perspective on the capabilities of an actor. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. Bye.